0: see a person institute is a research and training institute using collaborative dialogical practices to rebuild lives here we see you as a person not as a diagnosis that may have defined or limited you in the past here we believe in you the narratives of pain and suffering our clients begin with are transformed into conversations honoring their innate strengths resilience and hope for the future this podcast is to inspire and share stories of hope and healing for both people who suffer and the people that are trying to support them. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Now I See a Person Institute. And um, today we're in a wonderful conversation with a person. We're going to have a series of. Um, conversations on our podcasts in 2023 for our ICCP program to use, in the, those to inspire learners of um, how to engage and really listen to um, people that we're in conversation with. And um, so, yeah, welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: So I'm going to identify everybody first. We have Emma mm-hmm. McIntosh, and mm-hmm. we have uh, faculty at Now I See a Person Institute, David Abramovich, faculty at, at Now I See a Person Institute. Um, my name is Dr. Susan Swim. I'm the executive director of Now I See a Person Institute, and we have a wonderful person who is our our guest. So I'm just going to add on to what Emma said very quickly, is that the purpose of our our podcast this year will be twofold. One will be for um, helping, uh, helping our learners um, have uh, different options and, and how they are able to help people, but also for our guests to help other, other people that might be struggling with similar issues. We found in, in 2022 that these podcasts were incredibly helpful uh, for not only our clients, but um, other uh, people to hear uh, these stories of courage and tenacity and strength that came out of uh, trauma and, and resultant symptoms. So I'm going to stop my, right there. And um, our wonderful guest is going to first share some thoughts about Uh, some content that would probably be very helpful to our current clients. And then also share some reflections on her ideas of medication and these illness narratives within mental health. All right.
2: Okay. Thank you, Dr. Swim. Thank you. So (laughs) this is going to be another uh, school related topic because that's just my life right now. Um, so I've always had anxiety with math and a lot of people can relate to that majority of people I've come across have always said that they have a similar anxiety to math and difficulty with it so my experience with it was that growing up I just didn't have anyone around me that had patience to explain it so that that resulted in trauma as an adult to where I would freeze up and my mind would leave me whenever I would see numbers or be in a math class. It was that traumatic. But um as I've been healing in the past, I don't know how many years now, but it's been it's been less, it's been manifesting less in my life and even more so this year. To the point where I notice that my attention span is longer. I'm able to absorb information better and then recall it better later. And it's it's a huge indicator to me that I've been healing from that. Because now I'm retaking a math class and I don't feel that anxiety. I don't feel that pain in my chest. I don't feel my mind leaving me. I'm able to remain present in the moment. I'm able to absorb what the professor is teaching. I'm able to ask questions. I'm able to write my notes and understand what I'm writing, not just copying whatever the professor writes. I'm able to recall that information later when I'm doing my homework. And it may not seem like a big deal to other people, but for people like me who have similar situations to where People were slamming their hand on the table or yelling and getting frustrated because they couldn't understand the the math that they were trying to be taught. They under people like that will understand my situation and and that experience of that anxiety of being in front of numbers. Uh, they all understand that it's it's a significant change when you're able to go from that from just freezing up to being able to understand and learn and uh, be a better better learner, not just in in math, but and everywhere else as well. just being able to remain present in um here in throughout the day, no matter what you're going through.
1: So I'm just gonna ask you a question really quickly. then then, because we were talking earlier that I was too dumb to know that I, you know when I was growing up, Everybody used to say like, oh, you're such a good student. You're such this, you're such that. You know, like I had so many accolades. So I was too dumb to think that I didn't know how to do work. You know what mm-hmm. I mean?
0: So I kind of
1: got college <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is a little bit hard. But you had kind of the opposite. You didn't have people telling you that you were proficient. And so this was very challenging.
2: Um, oh, yeah, I feel <laughs> like. it it really made it more difficult because it didn't give me that self-confidence I needed to be present. Instead of Mm -hmm. being confident in myself and being present to learn and absorb, Mm -hmm. I was battling with my identity. I was battling with, am I worthy? Uh, Do I deserve to sit in this space? Um, Am I wasting the, the teacher's time by asking Am I even worth the trouble? I was battling with those thoughts instead of battling with the math problems.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it was a very different experience for me because I didn't have people around me telling me that I'm smart, that I can do it.
1: Right. And so then that that identity of not thinking that you were smart and that you couldn't do something now has transformed into what would you describe that identity now
2: it's completely different it's um changed from am i worthy of the space that i take to i am worthy and i'm gonna prove it i'm gonna prove how how smart i am and i'm gonna reach my dreams and it's it's not even a question anymore it's just a matter of time that's how different it is now
1: and that is usually different
2: because
1: because you know when you were saying that that we're too worried about failing to be present that's that's huge so that's that's it you know as a So it makes me think, you know, again, like what would happen if we had programs, not just to help people like learn math, but to have this self-identity that was filled with confidence despite, you know, um, what was going on. Because I hear so many children, young children going to tutoring and they hate Mm -hmm. it because they hate going to tutoring. And and the thing that I hear all the time is, it doesn't help, it doesn't help, it doesn't help. In fact, it has the opposite effect. <laughs> it makes them feel more or less than.
2: Yeah, and I understand that because sometimes it leaves them more confused, not just with the topic that they're trying to learn, but also with their own identity because maybe the tutor is frustrated with them and, and maybe not outwardly, frustrated but discreetly and people that have dealt with trauma are very aware of that they're very sensitive to the slightest change in their tone in their body posture and their behavior and the words that they choose and their even where their eyes are we're very focused on all of that and if we pick up on the slightest change we, our mind is gone we've checked out already and no mm-hmm. matter what you say like we just we just go blank all we will pretend I used to, I used to just pretend that I understand and I got it just so they will leave me alone because if I'm neutral, uh, then I won't, you know, rock the boat anymore and mm-hmm. they'll leave me alone and I'll be okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, I, I think this is huge with, with um, in the venue of learning of any kind, that yeah. if we had that identity that we're all scholars and we're all capable of being scholars then people would have more choices more options than than what you're talking about because I do remember once when I was it was my my I I was taking geometry and I didn't understand it and 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 there was no way I was going to let anybody know not my classmates, nor my teacher. And I had this like teacher come up and said, you're not understanding this, are you? And I was almost like, like, like she was my savior. I just, I can remember looking up at her and I'm so old, but I can still remember looking up at her and thinking, help me. You know, <laughs> like, yes, I will take the help. But I, I knew that there was no way that I would have asked for help. <clears throat>
2: even being able to ask for help is a huge improvement too mm
0: -hmm.
2: it's a little it's a little victory is little victories when you finally have that aha moment or you are working on something and you just have someone validate that you're correct and the steps you took to get to that answer is correct even those little validations are small victories for Mm -hmm. you when you get the answer right and you finally understand that topic that you were struggling with and that helps you with your confidence overall
1: and and we we also are hearing this from a couple of other clients that have decided to go back to the school themselves and and they're taking classes and learning things they never like even if they do have a bachelor's degree or a different kind of degree but they're going back to school because they want to have another type of career that they feel that maybe fits them in the way that they are at this point in time, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: that, that just, that they, they didn't think they'd even be able to do this. And, and that, that the work might be hard and they might be staying up late at night or things like that, but, but they don't think they can't do it. So how is it not to feel like you can't do it anymore?
2: Oh my gosh, it's, I don't even have the perfect words for it, but it's just, it's so fulfilling. It's, it's peace and it's joy, even though my eyes burn sometimes and I'm running on like four hours of sleep or skipping meals, which I don't recommend, (laughs) but (laughs) even then I'm way happier twofold happier than I was back when I was still working at my other job putting myself last putting my education last and putting someone else's dream first because now I'm putting myself first I'm putting my dream first and it is a level of joy that it's incomparable with all my other choices that I've made in the past career-wise wow
1: I love that word joy
2: yeah. It is. It's fulfilling.
1: And, and and we were talking just a little bit about this earlier and I think it was David that commented on like, like this joy is like overspilling not only, not only into other areas of your life, but this joy is being passed on to your child.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, because she sees my growing confidence and my ability to self-advocate and she's learning that and she's practicing that in in her world at her school with adults and the children with her I she sometimes comes home and she tells me oh guess what um this this girl is dealing with this at home and I told her that that's not healthy that that Parent is um, not respecting her boundaries and she has to learn to speak up for herself and and um, make sure that other people are respecting her boundaries and and I feel really proud because she's miles and miles ahead of where I was when I was her age Mm -hmm. and I feel very happy that she'll be able to deal with different battles than I did that her battles won't be with her confidence but intellectual battles for a higher degree or education or career-wise. She won't be dealing with the stuff that is um, emotional or traumatic. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit about that also um, before we came together to record this and about emotional trauma and and what were some of the things like you can you can probably remember this better than i can but what were some of the things that we that i can remember saying to you like that was so profound do can you recall what
2: what you said oh i think it was about the number of students on medication at this time, uh, if you ask uh, students and you try to get an average a good, I don't know, maybe like f- at least 50% of, no, I don't want to say a percentage, I'm not even going to throw out a percentage, but the point is that a good amount of students, young students now are on medication for mm-hmm. things like depression. Mm-hmm. And I don't do you want me to mention the correlation maybe? What did I say? The correlation between medical students and mm-hmm. depression? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had read something about that, um, that a good amount of medical students are depressed and stressed out because of the coursework. Um, understandably, it's a lot of information, but that they're just put on medication and I feel like that's unfair because it kind of just tells it gives that underlying message of, well, this is just you, your your stress, your depression, your trauma, whatever, be whatever it may be, is just your identity. There's no fixing it. You just got to learn to live with it. And mm-hmm. this is going to help you live with yourself mm-hmm. instead of this is something that happened to you at this point in time, but we can work towards moving past that mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally, leaving that behind. And and growing and evolving as a person, um, as your life goes, instead of just being stuck in that moment forever of, wow, this is really stressful and this is really sad and and this is who I am and I'm staying here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like that's the message that putting someone on medication gives them,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
2: not fair because mm-hmm. my experience was very different to that. Like at my table, we had gone around and asked each other to share parts of ourselves, like some information of ourselves. And of the five people at my table, three were on medication Mm -hmm. for depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety, I think, but depression Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's an alarming number, especially considering that they're much younger than I am. And to be put on medication and expected to accept that as your state of being at this just beginning so young in life is just it kind of cheats them out of growth, I feel. Yes. And 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 that's kind
1: of what we were talking about because I think that that at some point in time someone could have have identified you in the same way. Yeah. It would have been very possible. And that, you know, one of the things we were talking about earlier is that one of our colleagues, Yako Sekula, has been talking about um, psychosis, but we add in there other types of things like anxiety or depression or things like that. It's not a mental illness, but a survival strategy in times of extreme stress. And
3: mm-hmm.
1: your life has, has had bits and pieces of extreme stress as well. I mean, some of the things that you have talked about, you know, were just very heartbreaking that you um, walked through and, but never did we ever think that because of these things that were occurring with you were in any way a mental illness or that medication was even an option for, for you to continue walking through it. Can so you go, ahead. go ahead. I'm so sorry. I couldn't hear you.
2: <clears throat> oh no. Sorry. I said, and I'm very grateful, grateful for that. I I feel very fortunate that I was able to land in your office instead of someone <laughs> else's because who knows where I would be right now mm-hmm. if I had instead someone who just told me, this is just your identity, your, mm-hmm. your pain and from the past is your identity and this is where you're staying and here's some medication to just deal with who you are.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: But instead, I was given the opportunity and the confidence to grow past that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because we all see, at Now I See Institute, we all see each other as people, both our clients and therapists. So, you know, every story has a very understandable journey despite how far we might fall to our knees as people and that that getting past that doesn't mean that that there has to be a mental illness diagnosis that further places somebody in a box and kind of ignores the trauma You know, I've been asked before by psychiatrists and they'd say, well, do you think this is clinical or do you think that this is due to trauma? And I'd be like, my goodness gracious, I don't think you talked to this person very long because if you had an opportunity to do so, it it would be, of course, trauma. And then it makes you think, well, what is clinical
2: then? In my opinion, clinical, I think would be something like, there has to be something wrong with uh, connection in the brain, like Mm -hmm. some physical deformity Mm -hmm. that would interrupt signals in the brain. Right.
1: And I think those are the types of things that people learn in school and they learn Mm -hmm. conversations in our culture. But I've never met anybody that was depressed or severely anxious or psychotic mm-hmm. that did not have a good reason to be so ever yeah um and so is 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 there ever a need to have that diagnosis those are things that i often struggle with and that my colleagues write about all the time so i thought i'd bring in david and emma and maybe you could talk about this a little bit too because like david you're the most recent one that was in school, although it has been a while that you were in school but mm-hmm. if 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 you had learned of some of the things that that this client that this wonderful person was going through, what would be s- some alternatives then to to how perhaps we at now I see a Person Institute or our colleagues um, worldwide might, see things
3: um well I, I think that one thing that stands out to me about our client's story is that um the resiliency and to never give up hope and to always um just just go for it you know no matter what and that's what this client did and it's paying dividends big time Mm -hmm. not only for not only for her but also for her daughter daughter because her daughter is modeling this type of behavior and now is showing so much self-agency even though she's gone through some difficult times as well
1: absolutely but I was kind of more asking the question from because you're you're, you're the closest one that was in a master's program so what kind of like what kind of things might have that master's program asked you to look for that oh yeah uh,
3: I mean they would be asking me to look for a needle in a haystack Mm
1: -hmm. like
3: what in this person's past Mm
1: -hmm. you
3: know put her in this position
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, making it somehow her fault Mm -hmm. or or like what's going uh, what what sort of um Things in her family, you know, um, lineage or DNA, make make her and her daughter susceptible to, um, you know, to to the challenges that she has faced. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing would be like, uh, what is the source of her quote-unquote, well, they would say depression, mm-hmm. but, you know, we wouldn't use that word. But mm-hmm. what, is the, what is the source? Why, can't, why has she tried so many times and not been able to succeed? What's wrong with her? Mm-hmm. So all the answers would be sort of like, and all the focus would be geared towards deficiency language mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and uh, what this person has done in order to end up in this particular position right
1: right whether it was unfortunate events from the right, family right, right. From, there's always some deficiency within that person as to why things are happening rather than that they were that they walked through trauma
3: absolutely you know and then they would double down and say mm-hmm. well if this person's not getting better it's this person's fault
1: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and that's where the the clinical part comes in if this person can't get better then it's not due to like the therapy or or it's or it's it's due to because that's what one of the things i often find of listening in this field for for four decades if someone is not getting better then that's that's their fault not because that maybe things aren't aren't successful in therapy for some reason.
3: Right. Right. It, it's their fault because there's no way it could be the therapist's fault. Right.
1: And then they get referred out for medication because I will see this. There's a Facebook, there's a Facebook um, format for Therapist, And you'll hear them talking. Oh, you've got a, you are, are a wonderful, or a wonderful, wonderful person has to look at this sometimes. But you will look, you will listen to them by reading them talking about their clients. And one of the ones that was so hard to hear was that my client isn't getting any better. And, um, and they blame me. And I was thinking, well, of course, of course they do. And, and, but they were so angry at that client. And so you, then you had a response from all of these people on Facebook that were therapists, like, well, she, this client doesn't appreciate you, this client, um, you've did all this hard work for this client. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I just live in such a different world than that, that someone should be appreciative for me number one and what happens is a collaborative endeavor it's not that i am like like this wonderful person that we're with today is a blank slate and i'm just importing all of this incredible wisdom upon this person so so emma i don't know I, I think that also we had talked about this a little bit and and maybe you could could come on in and talk for a few minutes
0: yeah I I think it's just about obviously acknowledging people people's inner wisdom and not um as you say you're not um you' you're providing a space you know you're providing a space for people to feel heard validated and and be able to access their inner wisdom because um it's so much more meaningful for people um uh, to to be able to like just in hearing these conversations um with this wonderful person today you know of of her inner wisdom and her daughter's inner wisdom and um how they've how they've you know transformed and and um are doing things that they want to do and believe in
1: and and then that thought makes me think of unfortunately the way that currently I think sometimes our field is taught is that a therapist wisdom, a psychologist's wisdom, a psychiatrist's wisdom, probably even a regular doctor's wisdom is 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 far above that client and and when you do that you take away their ability to, create their own self solutions and i think that is something that has permeated through this conversation is that this wonderful client has so much wisdom
2: yeah thank you <laughs> i agree you. i agree yeah. with um, what you say about the providers placing themselves above kind of creating this barrier between the clients it kind of I feel like it might shorten their not shorten but like um limit their belief in themselves mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and that's that's the kind of thoughts that I have when I listen to that that there's so many I, I found that too when I was you know when i um before i retired completely from university teaching is that there were so many students that were on medication that when you talked about them um when you when you talked about that there were alternatives than being on medication um or having a severe mental health diagnosis it it offended them personally as people um because that's what they had been told for so much of their life, starting with probably things like attention deficit disorder, and then that maybe growing into like um, OCD, and then maybe that growing into something else. And so they had this long list of 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 diagnoses that 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 perhaps perhaps did limit their choices and who they were as a person because how how are those those titles different from the title that you had our wonderful guest on not being able to learn
2: sometimes it's not even what they say out front to you it's just um a lot of underlying messages it's um not being given that self-confidence growing up and then getting that false narrative about yourself of, well, I'm just not that smart. Well, I just won't get it because that's just not me. I'm just not that smart mathematician person. And then you absorb all of these false narratives about that all these people give you. You don't really get the confidence to go out go out into the world and find out who you are through mistakes because you're so... Scared of making any more mistakes that'll make you feel even more worthless.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That you mm-hmm. just don't really find out who you are, and you accept whatever people tell you that you are.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You mm-hmm. never really grow. You're just stuck there in everyone's definition of you, and it's sad. I I probably would have been diagnosed with a lot of things too. I would have probably been diagnosed with OCD and attention deficit disorder because that was like a byproduct of the trauma that I that I had experienced with my coping that I had to adopt to deal with the place that I was stuck in. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Right.
1: And so then like our colleague, you know, that will be doing this presentation, I think in May, if I read it right, um, um, you know that that if you that you're taking people's coping mechanisms away, those inherent coping mechanisms, when when we have those diagnoses, mm-hmm. and um and then you're adding more more problem narratives to who they are as a person. That and then that frightens me as far as then the the. The, the statistics with the suicidal ideation, because if we do not think we're worth anything, that's usually when people want to kill themselves.
0: Yeah,
2: and I think it's very—it's like you were saying—it's a different definition for me because I was detached. I was able to detach myself from those coping mechanisms and instead of adopting them as my identity. Mm-hmm. I was able to see them for what it is. Like, oh, this is just um stuff that I picked up along the way throughout the moments that I experienced trauma in order to deal with the fact that it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the difference, that a lot of people on medication are being told that that's just who they are and they got to accept it. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was able to detach, I was given the opportunity to detach myself from those coping mechanisms, not accept them as my personality, and to see that I can walk ahead and leave that behind,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and
2: live in my truth uh-huh. and in my true personality.
1: Yes, because there was a time, there was a time when, when, when you were very depressed and where you were, you were very anxious, right?
2: Uh, oh yeah, it was crippling. I I couldn't even socialize that was that bad I was afraid of saying the wrong thing in every scenario it it kept me from making friends it kept me from excelling in school because I couldn't raise my hand to ask a question I was so afraid of being wrong I was so afraid of being wrong I wouldn't even try a lot Mm -hmm. of times Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had already accepted defeat before I even tried Mm -hmm. before I even started it was really bad
1: Well, because I I was just thinking to myself, because you are so accomplished that people might think, well, her, those, those traumas that she had weren't so bad. Um, You know, that's Mm -hmm. why she's, that's why she's not on medication. Mm -hmm. That's why she doesn't have a severe, severe mental illness label, but, Mm -hmm. but but you had lots and lots of traumas, lots and lots of hard things that happened to you and lots of symptoms that occurred out of that. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, I would disassociate a lot and and um, not be able, to, like I said in the beginning, to stay in the moment. I was mm-hmm. uh, My attention span was very <laughs> short, but it was because I couldn't cope with being in that moment because I was so horribly afraid of making someone mad for being wrong or for making or for feeling like I'm wasting someone's time that mm-hmm. it just it wouldn't allow me to remain in that space and my mind would just trail off and mm-hmm. I had these nervous tics where mm-hmm. I would just like um, scratch under my fingernail or or tap my foot up and down and and just avoid eye contact altogether. Mm-hmm. Not try to make friends, just completely ignore everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm nothing like that anymore. And and it's hard for people to believe whenever I tell them, Oh yeah, I had severe anxiety before too. And they look at me shocked like you? Do? But you're mm-hmm. such a people person. Well, believe mm-hmm. it or not, I used to not be. <laughs> used mm-hmm. to be the opposite. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So again, I was Emma and David, I was I was wondering, um you know, maybe Emma, you first and then David, that that you guys could reflect on this and then we'll, we'll wrap up.
0: Yeah, I'm always just in, um, you know, I always feel like I get so much energy from the conversations we have with you and, um, you know, just your, your sheer determination to um to reflect and do you know do whatever you can for you and your daughter um it's just um you know you're an inspiration um to so many people and um uh thank you for 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 sharing part of your story today thank you and so then, um,
1: David, I just wanted to ask you if you might have some other types of thoughts that you want to let this wonderful person um, share with this wonderful person before we have to adjourn for today, just for today.
3: Yeah, one thing that really struck me um, was like, um, you know, the people would look at this person and say, you're, you know, you're extraordinarily accomplished you are a people person and um and dr swim said well then your trauma must have been not bad at all um and you know when people do that they discount the our ability our human ability to mm-hmm. overcome things without mm-hmm. without medication mm-hmm. um Without, um, you know, w- without traditional types of mm-hmm. therapy, which which don't work, but that what they're really discounting is the human spirit, mm-hmm. right? And I think the human mm-hmm. spirit, especially in in everybody, but in this client, is so pronounced that uh, she was able to overcome the extreme trauma that she faced and. Mm-hmm and and persevere
0: Mm -hmm. and
3: and do it in such Mm -hmm. a way that she transcended um all those all those labels Mm -hmm. and and now her daughter won't have to experience the same sorts of things Mm -hmm. that she does because she will model her strength Mm -hmm. and model her behavior and will be will be told that you can get over anything yeah mm-hmm. and, and, and that's precisely what she is doing now mm-hmm. so um you know breaking these these cycles of deficiency laden therapy and medications have to begin somewhere and this client is a a perfect example of of that if we don't get in people's ways and we don't double down and we don't make it you know our issues as therapists mm-hmm. and, yeah. and let and let people heal yeah then people mm-hmm. will heal from their own inner strengths yes so yes. that that's what really stuck out um and has always stuck out with this client and i think she is very strong and gracious and and will do amazing things
1: yes and is thank you david of course so our wonderful client is there anything that you would like to say or share
2: before we wrap up yes healing is not linear so don't (laughs) ever feel pressured or let other people pressure you into thinking well you should have been here by now you should have been over that by now Mm -hmm. and don't think that just because today you feel over it that tomorrow you won't cry about it 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 might happen and it it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you it doesn't mean that you're not healed it just means you're a human being Mm -hmm. (laughs) and sometimes you know we just need to let our feelings happen it's okay you don't have to heal at a specific rate you don't have to be at a certain level in life to be considered a success Mm
1: -hmm. Mm yeah yeah I love this, really. yeah, because i I can let you know that all of us here have had, of course, our own traumas. You know, I always say I've never met also anybody that came into this field that didn't have a lot of trauma because why on earth would they pick this field rather than something <laughs> that was different, right? Like what attracted them this? Um, and so yeah, i'm 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 so happy that we have this opportunity because when i think of what we did today it's not only sharing this with our clients right now they're struggling some with math believe it or not um (laughs) or or with their self identities because perhaps they have had many many diagnoses in the past um Mm -hmm. and maybe they're still um you know moving maybe moving past their trauma and so it you know in my mind is also so extremely helpful for clinicians to hear this because how do we learn best how to help them from the people that we're in conversation with you know it's like what they always say that about mechanics right you don't want to Go to a mechanic that just learned everything out of a book, right? Like, like that's like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially airplane mechanic, right? Like, so
2: that's right. You want someone with experience. Yes, 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 and that
1: just doesn't go by again the book because the book is a loving entity. It offers mm-hmm. ideas that are just ideas. So. Our best to you today, as always. And thank thank you you so much for being with us today. Thank you,
2: guys. Mm
3: -hmm. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Until next time. Until next time. Bye bye.
0: Please honor this person's story by sharing it with others to inspire hope.